and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie. This episode is a really special episode where we're going to be discussing the new Fantastic Beast film, Crimes of Grindelwald. We're really excited. We saw the film a couple of weeks ago and we are going to do a review episode of the film. Of course, we are drinking throughout it, so grab your own beverage while you listen along. Yeah, and it's quite a long one, so we hope you enjoy it. We are back everyone in a slightly different environment this time. We're surrounded by cats. We're surrounded by cats. We're in a happy, happy place. So this episode, um, normally we record at my flat um, and I'm currently cat sitting for a downstairs neighbour. So we've decided to spend some time with the cats. So if you hear some noise and some scuffles, that's why. We've also got a double up name. So Charlie is obviously here, but so is the cat Charlie. My new best friend. Yeah, so that could get a bit confusing. Charlie, what are you drinking? today. I'm drinking beer. Beer, nice. I have a gin and tonic. Cheers. Cheers. So today we're going slightly different. We're talking about Crimes of Grindelwald. Yes, yes oh, we are. Crimes of Grindelwald. Vold. 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 Um, Crimes of Grindelwald. So we saw the film together. Do you want to talk about the screening we went to? Yes. So I was actually going to boycott um, Crimes of Grindelwald, but I'm very, very, very fickle. And I did a Twitter poll um, and everyone said that I should go and see it. Um, obviously I was going to boycott it because of the Johnny Depp thing, but then because of the podcast, I wanted to. And then last, it was last time, wasn't it? When I was over at yours recording. Yeah. Is that when you put the poll out? No, that was, um, that was after... But that was when we booked the tickets. Oh, Because yeah. Hannah's boyfriend, Neil, had actually found a double screening. So it was the first Fantastic Beast followed by Crimes of Grindelwald. Sorry, the cat's making noise. <laughs> the cat's attacking a very vicious cardboard box. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was a double billing of both the films at the BFI, which is in London. It's the biggest cinema in the UK. Neil, what is it? The BF- What's special about the BFI? Uh... Is it the biggest IMAX? The biggest screen? The biggest IMAX? It was a huge screen. Like, we were in the front, and I had to look and turn my head to watch something that was going on in the left hand side and the right hand side of the screen. Like, it was a big screen. Yeah, it was quite large. So yeah, we booked a double billing for that, Mm -hmm. Um, me, Hannah, and Neil. Yeah, and we watched the first film, all normal. Yeah, Um, I mean, I feel like we should have probably guessed, because, I mean, it started off when we sat down, Neil was like, ha ha ha. Imagine if the cast came out. And we were like, shut up, they did the premiere last night, they're busy now. Yeah, and then a man came in to do an announcement before the first film, and he did, you know, turn your phone off, blah, blah, blah. And then what really should have raised suspicion, but for me didn't, was when he was like, oh, the film is going to start at exactly... uh, 20 to, what was it, 20 to 9. Yeah, and he was like, if you're not in your seat, we will not let you in the room. You have to be in your seat. And he was very, you know, he was very on that. And then we watched the film. We were then, you know, went to the loo, came back to the second half, and they locked all the doors, and then a guy appeared with a camera. Yeah. And then a guy appeared with a broom and started sweeping a certain area of the cinema. Yeah. And we were like, what's going on? And then we were like, hang on, that first row of seats has been empty this entire time. And then they said, we're very pleased to welcome some special guests to your screening. And in walked the cast of Fantastic Beasts, and not just, like, one actor, in walks... Eddie Redmayne, Mm -hmm. in walks the actress who I can't remember her name, who plays Tina. Yes. In walks, so in walks our favourite person in the world, world, Ezra Miller. 
Yeah. And also in walks the guy who plays Theseus. Yeah. Commander. So it was Eddie Redmayne, Ezra Miller, Catherine Waterson, Claudia Kim, and Callum Turner. And I can't believe I have been more organised than Hannah. You wrote down the names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they walked into our screening to do like a little speech about the film because it was an early screening. We were seeing it two days early, and it's obviously the big the biggest cinema in the UK. So they came to the screening and did a speech. And this is one of the reasons you need to follow us on our new Instagram, which is yeah. at Goblet of Wine Podcast. Yep. Um, because we were Instagram storying the whole thing. We had no idea it was going to happen. So no we idea. were freaking out. And we were so close to them as well. We got seats near yeah. the front. And we first thought, we were whining yeah. about because we were like, oh, the screen's too big from here. We can't see. Didn't matter when Eddie Redmayne literally made eye contact oh. with us and he nodded at me. Oh. Nodded at me. I think you're married now. I want to be married to Ezra Miller. Anyway, so that was our, that was how our screening played out, which was an amazing experience. However, the film we will get into, but first mm-hmm. we want to do a little competition. Yeah. What we want to do to start this off is to recap the plot of the film because it's been two weeks since we've seen it. We've both forgotten a bit, and also yep. you guys might need a recap. Please, also, we haven't set up until this point. This podcast will contain spoilers yep. for Crimes of Grindelwald. If you I feel like that should be obvious. It should be obvious, <laughs> but if you have not seen the film yet and you do not want to be spoiled, please do not listen to this episode. Yeah, we're literally about to tell you the entire plot and plot twists. Yeah, so just don't listen. But we're going to do a little competition to see who can summarise the film best in just 60 seconds. I'm going to tell you right now, Hannah wins. We haven't <laughs> recorded it yet. But Hannah wins. My memory is terrible. I'm also not very good under pressure, whereas Hannah excels under pressure. Not with recapping stuff. So Neil is going to adjudicate this competition. To make Mm -hmm. it fair, we're going to leave the room so we don't hear each other's, which is a shame. We're going to have to listen to the recording back immediately just to hear how funny it was. So I feel like it's not going to be funny. Mine's just going to be like, oh, so then things happen. People went places. You're going to have to talk fast. So 60 <laughs> seconds to recap the entire plot of Crimes of Grindelwald. Who wants to go first? It doesn't matter which one because we're not I want to get it out of the way. Okay. I'm going to leave the room. Can you get a 60 second timer up on your phone? Um, Neil is now swapping places with me and he's going to listen to both and I'm then gonna... tell you which one is best. Yeah. I'm going to do so bad. But it's not just Neil's decision. We will... Well, actually, let's run a Twitter poll. Yeah. Immediately after we post this episode, we will run a Twitter poll. And also, if you missed the poll, just tweet us, tell us which one was better, and we'll tell you next time we record which one won as well. I'm going to leave. Hi, Neil. Welcome back to the podcast. It's a pleasure to be back. Are you you ready to give me a summary of crimes? I've never been less ready. So let's just... Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, Okay. cool. Your time starts in three, two... One. So Grindelwald escapes and we cut to Newt's house where he has an unexpected visit from What's-Her-Face, the sister, and Jacob, who she's currently in the process of date raping. So they have a fallout. She goes to Paris where Tina is. Newt then goes to find Tina and Credence, who also... Uh, for some reason is still alive so he goes to Paris to find both of them on Dumbledore's order they then have a massive you know skidoo where they're all trying to find each other Tina somehow falls in with no not Tina Tina's sister falls in with Grindelwald Uh, Tina gets kidnapped by Lita Lestrange's brother who's trying to murder her other brother Um, the whole thing is trying to find out who Credence's parents are and then 
Lita Lestrange's brother tries to murder Credence, but actually it's the other brother who's already dead because Lita murdered them. Grindelwald has set the entire thing up as a trap, so then he casts a thing. They have to go through a flame if they sacrifice themselves Time. to... Ah! <laughs> that was so bad! That was close. You that got so close. Bad. I, I, I took my fingers up my ears when I heard a scream. Okay, oh, well, Hannah's about to smash this. You don't know. So, I will go. Oh, God, no, now I see the time, but this is going to be so much harder than I thought. Okay. Yep. Are you ready? I am, Neil, yes. Your time starts in three, two, one. So film opens, Grindelwald is broken out of prison. We then go to Newt and he's got all his beasts and stuff and then um, Queenie and Thingy come and visit him. I don't care about names. They come and visit him. They have an argument and then they go off to Paris where Tina is. Some shit goes down in Paris with a circus and that's where we see Credence is back and Grindelwald is try still trying to find Credence because he wants Credence on his team. There's something to do with Lita and the Strange and her backstory because Credence wants, thinks he's part of her family. They're all trying to get to the same place. Loads of random shit happens, but it all goes down in a graveyard at the end where Grindelwald, someone dies, and then they're all in a graveyard, and then um, uh, Queenie joins Grindelwald's side, um, and oh god, and then Tina dies. Oh, there's that guy called Yusuf. I don't have any idea who he is. And then they all fight with Grindelwald, and then that's the end of the film. Neither of you mentioned the twist at the end. Oh yeah, I forgot about it. You didn't get that. I was three seconds and I forgot about it. You had solid five seconds at the end. It was like, are you no? No. Oh, and you know, apparently Credence is a Dumbledore. And neither of you mentioned Dumbledore. I don't think. Well, the does he relate to the plot? I suppose. The thing is, when you can't sum up a film plot in sixty seconds, it's a bad film. So Neil. I, the real I, question is, yes. in your belief, yes. who won? Honestly? I didn't finish, so yeah, but I finished is, too early. This is the difficulty. I finished too early and missed a you lot. You didn't finish, but your summation was going better. So I think on that regard, Charlie wins. I think the first half I of mine... I feel like this is pity. No, I think, pity. I think the first half of mine was really good. Apart from the bit where you knew no one's name. Apart from the bit where I knew no one's name. I said then, Tina, oh no, uh, her sister. <laughs> oh yeah, oh no, the other one. And then, and then I got to Paris and just went, and a load of shit happens. Uh, That's the film. Speaks a lot about the film yeah. more than you guys, I think. It does, yeah. but it's up to you guys. Not to give away my opinion. <laughs> it's, it's up to you guys. Please let us know on Twitter or Instagram or wherever you follow us, which one did you think was better? Which summary? Okay, Neil, thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Neil. I Goodbye, Neil. Always a pleasure. Goodbye. Oh, so after that wonderful summary of the film, which I think really captured all the major plot points, <laughs> that was awful. That was, um, I came up with that idea, thinking like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. That was so much harder than I thought. Because the plot is just ridiculous. So we're going to try to structure this review of Crimes of Grindelwald. First start by just saying in one sentence your thoughts on the film. Go. Filler episode where somehow too much happens. I'd say the same. Filler film where somehow too much happens for the film, but it ends up nothing happens. I want to preface this by saying that both of us really liked the first Fantastic Beasts film. I don't want this to come across that we hate the the whole idea yeah. as a whole. And actually, I think we should spend like a few minutes going over. Yeah, let's spend let's let's send a few minutes. So when it was announced.
liked that Fantastic Beasts was a thing. I was so skeptical. I was like, I don't want, I don't want it. I don't, I don't want it here. Like, yeah, I, I remember everyone it. was just really confused. Like, this is a book that's like a dictionary about creatures. Mm. How's it going to be a film? And I went into it with such low expectations and came out like she's done it. That was amazing. So I loved the first film. I thought it didn't relate to Harry Potter that much at all, which was amazing because I don't want them messing with original canon. I thought the cast was... <laughs> I thought the cast was fantastic. I thought it was funny. I thought it did really well, kind of linking back to real-world politics and making criticisms of that. I thought it was a fantastically made film, because I think the problems the Harry Potter films had was they were trying to adapt something that was a book, but because this was written as a screenplay, it worked as a film. Um, so I loved the first film. I honestly loved the first film and that meant I went into this film with really high expectations. Mm -hmm. So what, what are your thoughts? So I don't, I, I don't love it as much. I feel like my feelings are very complicated towards the film. Mm. So for me, I think the first time I watched it, I was, I liked it, but I was a little bit underwhelmed. I very much had the feeling that had this not been Harry Potter, I would have been incredibly meh about it. Like it was a good film. It was entertaining. Yeah. But, like, it wasn't anything special for me who took away the fact that it was Harry Potter. Like, there are so many kind of, like, young adult fantasy films out there that, for me, I was just, like, not sure if it was anything special. And this is what I said to Hannah and Neil going in to re-watch it. Mm. Um, something else that I dislike about the first film... Like, I personally, I think, one, there isn't enough nod back to the original Harry Potter. Oh, I, I understand where you're coming from, not wanting it to mess with the canon. But that's kind of like, that was why I was there. I was there for the desperate fan service. Okay. Um, and then two, it's one of those films where from the very minute in the film where the whole plot is set up, so, you know... A whole load of creatures mm, lost. Escape in New York. Blah, blah, and, blah. It, and, you know, this shady-seeming character. You're like, hmm, I wonder how this ends. I wonder if he gets back all the creatures. And it turns out that this guy that's being shady is actually the main villain. It, it's just very much one of those films where, where even though you're enjoying it, there's always that sense of like, okay, let's just skip to the end. Do you okay. know how this is ending? Let's skip to the end. Okay. But... Saying that, when I re-watched it in the massive IMAX, having not watched it since it first came out... Which is two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. I maybe w watched it once when it came out on DVD after that, but pretty much having not watched it since its release, mm -hmm. I enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah. Like, it's it's funny and it's entertaining, yeah. and I do think that it holds its own, not as anything spectacular, but as, like, a good, enjoyable film. And what I will say about the first Fantastic Beast film and why I thought it was so good was... The first time I went to see it, I went to see it with my mum and my brother. Um, my mum, you know, loved Harry Potter back in the day, but hasn't really, you know, read or watched it since it first came out. So we're talking 10 years, at least. My brother, again, has seen all the films, read half the books. Neither of them are huge Potterheads, is what I'm trying to say. And they came out that film loving it, because they didn't... They were worried they wouldn't understand what was going on. Mm. And they... They understood everything. It felt really welcoming to them. They really enjoyed it. And I think... One of my main problems with Crimes of Grindelwald to like leap onto the next film is it does not work as a standalone film. Oh, it God, doesn't no. work as an entry point for people who aren't Harry Potter fans. It relies on your Harry Potter fan mm -hmm. knowledge. And whilst that's not an issue for me personally, I love the fact that I was able to have a discussion about Fantastic Beasts with my mum, who doesn't know everything about Harry Potter, but I won't be able to with this film. Yeah, it's very much like I kind of love all that fan service and going back to it, but yeah. I do think that it should be able to stand alone. 
alone. Yeah. And I agree, like, this film, like, plot-wise, it was so confusing. It relied on so much, like, extensive Harry Potter knowledge. Ugh. I was so confused during the film trying to work out who was who and what was going on. And, and if I am, we're confused yeah. as two of the biggest Harry Potter fans you can find then they've made yeah. it too confusing. Like, we run a podcast about Harry Potter. I have reread all of the books within the last year and probably read them one to two times a year. Same. Like, uh, and I can understand it. And then also going over, I was trying to, like, re-remember the plot yeah. before coming here today to do the summary. And I was so confused about it, just trying to get in my head straight. Like, the whole, the two brothers of Lita. I was trying to work out what that was, I still don't know, because in the film they were saying Lita was being all shady about one of her brothers that she thought was dead, and then when she ran into the mm. other one, the one with the darker skin, I can't remember his name, uh, Yusuf. Yusuf. When she ran into Yusuf, Thanks. she was surprised to see him, and I was like, wait, was she, that the one that she thought was dead? But then she yeah. goes back and says that she thought that she killed the other one, so I was like, wait, no, so it's that one, and then I'm like, wait, which Brothers being referred to the entire I still am confused But the, the problem with that is that it would be an okay plot if they didn't shove it all into the last 15 minutes of the film and you learn about the plot whilst you're guessing, like, whilst you're learning what it is. Like, there was no setup. Basically, my main problem with this film is it's a bad film. It's bad storytelling. It so is. it felt like there was all this setup. Um, so let, let's actually start talking about Crimes of Grindelwald. Felt like there was all this setup. So you go into the film, and basically, I felt like the entire setup was they've all gone to Paris and they've all been separated. So the main part of the film felt like there, it was all of these different characters, and we were introduced to so many characters. So many. Trying to get back together. And another reason why that annoyed me, apart from the fact that it's not a very good plot point is the fact that what I loved about the first film was the relationship between the four main characters. So I really love seeing that. What really annoyed me about this film was they split the four characters up and didn't let them interact the entire film. I think in the end, Queenie didn't interact with Tina at all. No. Um, Queenie got two minutes with Newt and like Tina got five minutes with Newt. And that just really annoyed me because one the main thing I loved about the first film and what I think J.K. Rowling is amazing at writing is character relationships. Mm. This film went for plot and what looks cool over character relationships. Yeah, it did. I think my biggest issue with the film was that the entire film was spent basically the only plot aside from the end 10 minutes was trying to find out who Credence's parents are. Yeah. And I felt that, like, this is not enough plot for an entire film to stand on. No. Um, and also, it came out of nowhere. I feel like the simple thing that could have saved a lot of this film was if in the first film his heritage had been questioned more. Yeah. Like, it was said, questioned because, a tiny bit, but in a really, in a really vague way. way where it's not remotely implied that they could be anyone. From the first film, it's just like, okay, Credence's parents are some random wizards that gave him up for adoption. That's how it is in the first film. Yeah. Um, Which is fine, I bought that. Like, that was... Yeah, I, I didn't it, need more information It, it doesn't set it up enough for the entire second film to be a hunt for his parents. So we're introduced to the theory that 
Credence is Lita Lestrange's brother in this film in one sentence near the start. Yeah. It's just like a throwaway, oh, we think he's his brother. We're not going to explain why we think this, where this has come from, but this is the plot for the entire film. Have fun with that. Yeah. And I think if that was actually, if this was introduced in the first film, then it's like, okay, you watch the first film, you know what the second one's going to be about. Whereas you finish the first film, you have no clue this is what it's going to be about. Yeah. It's not even explained how Credence survived. No, like, so I always notice, and I noticed on the first watch of the first film... It does fly away. ...that a little bit flies away. So I always thought he lived, but it doesn't then explain how he got to Paris and why he joined the circus. Or how he lived. Or how he got to Paris. Like, there's an ocean and he can't do proper magic. It it makes absolutely no sense. No. It just doesn't set it up. If the plot had been set up, I would have been more okay. It's still not enough plot for an entire film. It's somehow not enough plot for an entire film, but there was so much crammed in. Yeah, it's just that... It, they they clearly knew that it wasn't enough plot, so they tried to make explaining the plot as complicated as possible. And as roundabout To the as point possible. where it's so many different characters in different places. That was the next thing I wanted to talk about. The sheer amount of characters in this film. Like, you can only concentrate on so many people, and my level of care for Yusuf is somewhere close to rock bottom. Like, none. My level of care for Theseus is hovering a tiny bit higher, still around none. My level of care for... I feel like he could turn out to be a good character, but in this film... I think he could be a good character. He was just like, okay, so this is Newt's brother, and he's for some reason engaged to Lethal Lethal, Lethal Strange. And we won't explain how he ended up engaged to Lethal Strange. Nagini who were set up in the bloody trailers as this huge plot point, and I'm sure will have this great story in the next three films. She may as well not have been in this film. Yeah. And when I, she, she it was, was ridiculous that she was in this film. Yeah, and when she was, she was encouraging him not to go with Grindelwald, and it's like, this is Nagini. Exactly. Who is Voldemort's right-hand snake. So, <laughs> so what I expected to see from her was that she had started off as a good person but because of all the mistreatment in her life and because of, you know, lots of different reasons, had ended up going to the dark yeah. side. And I'm but sure we we're going to see this arc but she just wasn't developed enough in this film. No, Which, not to be fair, all. it might come in later on. But she shouldn't have been in this film. Yeah. She it, shouldn't have been there. Like, there were so... There were just so many characters. Like, there yeah. were just so many characters in this film. And in general, I kind of hate... Grindelwald and Voldemort having kind of, like, anything in common. The fact that they have Nagini in common, I just find really, really far-fetched. Yeah. You know, you're like, okay, they're two separate dark wizards. Drop, stop trying to equate them to the same thing. I almost, So the only reason I don't mind that is because it's established before that before Grindelwald, there hasn't been a dark wizard in like 300 years. And it was very rare in the wizarding world for them to have two dark wizards so close together. Yeah. So them having some crossover doesn't actually bother me because I'm like, it was very rare to have two dark wizards yeah. this close together. So that's why it doesn't bother me because that's actually I'm glad that that's established I was literally thinking about this earlier like Mm. is this normal is it like every 50 years there's some like massive war with some dark wizard no I guess that would kind of like realistically that would actually make sense no it says something about how before Grindelwald we'd have we've had peace in the magical world for the last 200 years yeah I, I would actually buy it more the other way around. It seems quite, like, extreme, but you think when people have that amount of power, like, even oh, no, in real I'm life, sure they had, I'm sure they had evil wizards, but not, like, world-dominating evil wizards. Yeah, I guess it's two for the two world wars. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. Um, Imaginative, JK. <laughs> 
I'm still trying to think of plot points to talk about because there's so many plot it's just, points. There's so, so much that isn't explained. There isn't explained how he's still alive. There isn't explained yeah. why um, his brother and Lita are suddenly Together, engaged. No. Um, it, it's just they're not explained why anyone thought in the first place that Lita... Um, that Credence was Lita's brother. Like, nothing's explained. Nothing's explained. No, like, and also... Huge, huge plot points, and nothing's explained. So my... One of my main issues was... We, we had all these characters, we had all these plot points, which were plot points that weren't explained enough, but none of them linked together very well. So we had, like, Newt over here, and his main thing was trying to find Tina, and Jacob was along for the ride. We had Queenie over here also trying to find Tina, but she got sucked into the Grindelwald thing. We had Tina over here trying to find Credence, um, and Yusuf was along for the ride. We had Credence over here trying to find his family, and the Gini was along for the ride. Credence, had, who suddenly has forgiven Grindelwald. That's not explained. And we have, well, he forgave him because he said he can find out who his family is. But even before then, he was not as pissed as he was at the end of the first film. No, not really. And then we have Grindelwald over here trying to find Credence. So we have like five different groups of people all trying to find different groups of people with no plot points relating them until they all somehow end up at the graveyard. At the, it's yeah. just... It's really hard to explain why the film is annoying because the plot is so nonsensical. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just so badly written. And yeah. what frustrates me is it could have been a good film. And the reason why it's filler is, is I think when we get to the end of the five films, which I still have hope and faith will bring it back around, but when we get to the end of the five films, we will look back at this film and be like, how did that film advance the plot of all five? It won't have at all. But... Knowing JK, we could look back at it and be like, shit, we didn't realise. Like, there could be so many small snippets in there that help build it along. There could be. And maybe that's why things seem badly explained now, because maybe they will they come be. into it later on. But, but that's maybe. And that also doesn't excuse coming out of this film feeling frustrated. Because you're allowed to make a franchise. You, you are allowed to make a five-film franchise. But what you're not allowed to do is get people to spend money coming to the cinema and buying the DVD of a film which on its own leaves you frustrated and leaves you wanting so to immediately confused. see the next film. Like I each Harry so Potter confused. film, each Harry Potter film and book, although part of a wider story, like if you think of book five or book six, they are there mm -hmm. to get into the wider story, but they have their own plot arc, which makes them their own standalone yeah. film and book. Yeah, this does not. Yeah, I it just was confusing and messy and badly thought out. And mm -hmm. I feel like it's the polar opposite of the first film. The first film for me didn't do enough fan service. And even though you didn't like that, I'm sure you can bet there still could have been... There could have been a few more, more hints. Yeah. The only moment was when Dumbledore was mentioned in passing. There could have been more than that. Yeah. This film went too far where it relied so heavily on the Harry Potter narrative and knowledge. So Like, heavily. just so, so heavily. It went too far in the other direction where it was so ridiculously confusing. It felt like a test of my knowledge. Yeah. It felt like a test watching it to even work out what was going on. And then I think we need to spend some time on the plot twist at the end. I also want to spend some time, before we do the plot twist at the end, let's okay. talk about the Back to Hogwarts flashback, which yeah. was amazing. As fans of Harry Potter, it was when they did the pan-up of Hogwarts, even though I'd seen it in the trailer, 
goosebumps on my arm, chills, but I also got this feeling, honestly, like I was coming home. And I know that sounds really cheesy, and I wasn't expecting that going in, even though I knew there was gonna be a back to Hogwarts flashback, I wasn't expecting this feeling of coming home. Mm. But that made me realize like how ingrained in me that Hogwarts is a place yeah. of like safety for me, because that whole sequence, I was sitting there with the biggest grin on my face. Yeah. And honestly, that is one of the saving factors of the film, that Back to Hogwarts sequence. I yeah. just loved it. The only thing I hated about it was McGonagall. At the time, I really liked it. So when they first said McGonagall, I was like, see, that's a good Easter egg. It's just a name drop. It doesn't matter. Then I worked out the dates. And she now wasn't I'm bored. So, oh, now I'm so annoyed. And do you know what they've done? What? They've taken her birthday off, off of Pottermore. Uh, so her birth year used to be on Pottermore, which I believe is 1930. No, that's... Yeah, 1930-something. Something. They've taken that birth year off of Pottermore, which is just rude to the fans. Like, yeah. that's that's insulting to the people that As made if you. we don't have screenshots. Yeah. And, but it's also insulting to our intelligence, and it's making us feel like, you know, we're digging too deeply into it. Yeah. So... It was just fan service for fan service sake. sake. And I don't know how they're going to retcon it, but they're going to have... There's enough annoyed people that they're either going to retcon it, have to retcon it, or J.K. Rowling's going to have to come out with an to apology. To be fair, like, it could be her mother or no, her it's not. auntie or something. People have looked into the family tree. There's no way it can be. Really? And, you know, they released the book screenplays. Yeah. It calls her Young Minerva McGonagall. Ugh. I know. So either That's so dumb. Like J.K. Rowling's going to have to come out and give, a, I, give like, an apology. I unfortunately. Better from her. I expect better from but, her. But I mean, that's not the only thing where the dates don't add up. Like, just none of the dates make sense. No, I know. Um, but apart from the McGonagall thing, the Back to Hogwarts flashback was incredible. I so I loved the tiny details of the Quidditch players flying around in the background. Yeah, that brought me so much joy. Um, I'll talk more about the costuming in another section, but I love that the robes were different. I know some people are like, oh, why would the robes change? Like, it's a magical school, but historically all schools uniforms change to fit yeah. with the era and the robes the fact they were similar but different mm. i thought was great and also like fabrics available wartime exactly like, yeah as someone that studied fashion like it's 100 percent like the, the, it would have changed yeah it would have changed so i loved the details of the robes i love that they used the original sets and it just made me so happy yeah i just loved it i really did it was really well done um, okay. so let's talk about the twist at the end so the only thing that's getting me through is that it's a five minute bit at the end therefore it's set up for other films therefore we cannot judge that on knowing everything but it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense there's no way his mother would have had yeah. another child so I have without a, yeah. albus knowing um i have a bit that i'm going to read from an article albus's father how do you Percival. say it? Percival, Percival was sent to Azkaban prison the year before Albus went to Hogwarts for attacking muggles who were bullying his daughter Ariana. Yep. So unless Credence and Albus were only 10 years apart in age, which isn't likely since Dumbledore should be in, in his 80s in Crimes of Grindelwald, or unless Percival sired another son in Azkaban, he can't be Credence's father. Yep. Kendra, Albus's mother, passed during an un uncontrollable fit by Ariana in the summer of 1899. Fantastic Beast claims Credence was born in 1901, so Kendra can't be Credence's mother. Yep. So literally... He cannot be Dumbledore's 
brother. Which therefore leads me to believe that Grindelwald is lying. He could Which be. would be fine if the entire plot of that film wasn't finding out Credence's heritage. If it turns out to be a lie, although I'll prefer that for canon's sake, that renders the entire film pointless. Null and void. Null and void. Yeah. So they have, they're now stuck between a rock and a hard place as far as I see it. If it's true, and Credence is Albus's brother, then they've ruined canon. And the one thing I asked for going into this film franchise is... I said I love that they're going 100 years back because it means they won't fuck with canon. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to ruin canon, that's it. It's done. If they're going to curse child it, then no. No. But that seems like J.K. Rowling's thing now. Like, I don't mind her adding stuff afterwards. No, but all she's doing with Cursed Child and now with Fantastic Beasts is just completely going back to the Harry Potter mm-hmm. timeline and completely ruining it and making sure that it makes absolutely, absolutely no sense. And that's what I did like about the first film is that it didn't mess with anything. There could be more fan service, but I think fan service messing with canon completely Very different. different things. But, but like she is just going over what is already established and completely ruining it. Yeah. Like if Dumbledore had another brother that was believed to have died in, you know, in as a baby, then that would surely have been in Rita Skeeter's book. Yeah. Even as a line like, oh, you know, his brother, blah, blah, blah. And he did have another brother that died tragically. And, you know, it's Rita Skeeter. She would have implied that there was some shady circumstance, yeah. even if there wasn't. But no, it just and makes that, no okay, sense. Okay, so, so here's what else it could be. It could be... I've just thought of this now on the spot. A half-brother. So someone from Kendra, because her husband was in prison, that she then gave away because in that time period and because of everything that happened in the family would have no, been No, because shameful. she was dead when he bo- was born. So his birth date was... Credence's birthday was established in the first film and she was already dead. Was it definitely established? I, uh, according to this article, yes. Okay, I'm not sure it was definitely established. So I would be... F- not fine. I would allow it if he was a half a half brother. But if he was a half brother from just Kendra, Kendra was not. I I don't believe half brother because one was. I would believe it more from the dad's side because he was in Azkaban. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's still really unbelievable. Could could you imagine trying to get an erection in front of a Dementor? Like how? Ew. How? Ew. <laughs> um, but that makes more sense to me than a mother who was dead at the time. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Kendra has to have married into the Dumbledore line because in those time periods she would have changed her name. Obviously, Percival wouldn't have changed his name. Yeah, that's true. Actually. So if it's a half child from Kendra's side. Then they're not a Dumbledore. They're only a Dumbledore by marriage. Yeah. And, so no, and, that, that, like, that she also was can't dead be right. at the time. So it has to be his father. So it's less and, than a half brother from his father's yeah, side. Yeah. I mean, you could write in some kind of thing about how. Yeah, because exactly. we don't know if if Percival died in prison. We don't actually know what I happened think, to him. I I feel like he did. Because um, if he didn't die in prison, if he got out at some point, had another child, that would explain the age gap, and that would make him a Dumbledore. So yeah. that is the only way they're going to get around it. Only way. But even then, it's so far-fetched and something that needs so much explaining. I think you have a plot point that needs that much explaining, and That's that isn't in any way foreshadowed. Or what is in this case? It wouldn't be foreshadowing because it's a prequel, but. 
post shadowing in the original text. Like it just it doesn't make any any sense. No, I don't know. Any sense remotely. I think we talked about this for about ten minutes. Right, yeah, we have. <laughs> right. Let's move on to cast. So let's just go through them. Um because cast is where we're gonna get more positive. Eddie Redmayne. Yeah, cast and characters for now. Yeah, I like him. The, uh, the only thing that really bothers me with his portrayal of Newt is his lack of eye contact, which obviously... Oh, it's been confirmed he's on the autism spectrum. What, Newt? Or... Yeah, Newt. Okay, so the I, lack of I, eye I like that because cast. that's exactly what... There was, you go. That's exactly what I was going to say because obviously that's something really, really, like... Um, like it's an autistic thing like yeah so that's what kind of always bothered me i'm glad that if he's on the autistic spectrum I'm that's not, amazing because so i was like not confirmed by jk but that's confirmed by um by eddie redmayne himself okay that's good because yeah i was like is he just trying to act socially awkward and come no. across autistic no he or... is on the autism obviously okay. the lower down like side yeah asperger's. asperger's yeah but yeah so i think eddie redmayne's acting of new yeah. is absolutely fantastic i i agree i i just love the way and he's such a different hero like we have so harry was the kind of hero that anyone could put himself into harry was a kind of blank canvas whereas mm. new has a lot more of a definable personality and it's yeah. such a lovely personality and it's yeah. so good and pure and kind and we both just looked at each other at the bit in the first one where he says um something about no people just don't really not like me i tend to annoy them i was like it's so me yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i yeah. yeah had it really annoys me <laughs> no okay I, yeah. I, I was agreeing from my i annoy people um, and i understand why yeah any red <laughs> fantastic let's talk about yeah. dan fogler Yes, it just best actor gem. Where did they find him? But I, I don't know because we talked prior to the film and we were both like, oh, well, he, he's not been in anything before, blah blah. He has, he's been in everything. I oh. looked up. No, like his IMBD is like a fucking like, but like main lead roles or more background stuff. Like a, a like not lead roles, but like a lot of like oh, okay. kind of like supporting cast and stuff. Right. Okay, but we were we'd never seen him in anything. No, but I genuinely like he blows everyone out, out of the, the water like such. A talented comedic actor like he's absolutely fantastic timing his facial expressions he was not given enough screen time in this film and i'm worried that will continue to happen because in no way can he be relevant to the plot and also you know he's gonna die don't you oh shut up i only Um, just realized for any plot to work he's gonna be the character that dies Probably. And I will, you'll, I'm wrong. (laughs) Yeah, but what I would love to see and what will, I hope will happen, um, is that in the next few films he, he gets to play like, not, I'm not saying like a darker side, but more of like a tragic story. Obviously like his girlfriend, the love of his life has gone over to Dark Wizard. I really like, we started to see it a little bit in this film, like him having to do the more emotional side. Like he has more than proven himself as a comedic actor. So now I want to see the more emotional side. Yeah, I really want to see him doing like the full on like emotional, like I, I can't wait. I I, Yes. So let's talk about Tina and Queenie. Um, we'll talk about both their characters and their casting. Um, the actress who plays Tina, whose name you said earlier, of Waterstone? Yeah. Um, someone something. Someone something. Um, I think she's a great actress. I really like her. Really disappointed with her character in this film, though. Yeah. Um, she went from this very interesting, quite multi-dimensional mm-hmm. character who was an aura, but was kind of really wanted to prove herself to the point where she gave people up but also had really good intentions to just Newt's love interest in this Not film. only Newt's love interest but basically the, the entire 
the only scene where she really is like she gets saved by Neil yeah. and Jacob. Yeah, it was. She, I found her character a real step down from the first film. Really yeah, disappointing. but that's not the casting even. That's just, oh no, no, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that's still fantastic. No, the the actress is still great. Just the yeah. the writing of her and the writing of all the women in this film went down a little bit. Like I was expecting for a series that was written fifteen to twenty years after Harry Potter for the women to take a step upwards from a male centered. You know, Harry Potter was male centered. However, great the female characters are. Yeah, but no. Uh, Fantastic Beast is also very male centered. Yeah. Let's talk about Queenie. So Let's Queenie actress, great. Again, yeah, basically great. all the actors in this, apart from one, um, are fantastic. Yeah. They do very well with the casting. Yeah. Queenie's character, very much in two minds. So Queenie was probably my favourite character in the first film. Absolutely I, great I, character. I, I loved her. I thought yeah. she was brilliant. I thought that the way that she was such, like, a strong character who, at the end of the day, like, she does come in and save the day in a really understated way where she doesn't have to be that person, like, look at me, I just saved the day. But she's just like, oh, like, I'm queenie, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't want a career. I want a husband, which is perfectly valid. Of course now, it's perfectly valid. let alone in that, you know, time of day. And, and I, I thought that she was brilliant. I thought that the actress was brilliant. And I loved that they walked the line between she was a great character who was super feminine because J.K. Rowling has mm. fallen into the trap before which I don't want to blame her for it was very common in the time period and also it's very common for women to do where you create a negative female character by giving her female stereotypes so yeah. if you look at Lavender Brown that's yeah. what J.K. Rowling was doing um, and we'll go more into this when we go more into Lavender Brown but Queenie was the perfect example of an extremely feminine character who was a positive character yeah. and who also was really flirty and not ashamed of it. Like, yeah, I love that. The ring on the flirtiness. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Anyway, so in this film, a lot of people have been critiquing it that she had a massive personality change. That's not even how I see it. I, I think that the way that she acted within this film was very within her personality. My issue with it is that despite the fact that the film overall felt really drawn out and we were focusing on things and including things that didn't need to be included, what did need to be included was her justification behind her actions. Yes. But I feel like in the writing they still were like, Queenie's a sideline character, so even though she's doing all of these things, we don't really need to give much motivation behind it behind like one really quick scene to explain it yeah um and that when you have such like a drastic change in character kind of in her intentions that does need to ex be explained i think had she had the exact same storyline and made the same choices in this film that she does had it been properly explained and time spent on it i would have seen it as within her character Definitely. a really really interesting development for her yeah but it just wasn't explained enough. She was given a couple of lines and a couple of scenes to explain why she suddenly then goes basically to the dark side. Yeah. And that's why I see her, that's why people think it's out of character. I think it's within her character. I do, because I, I just wish it was explained more. Because I think she's quite although she's a you know, strong female character, she has the characteristics of someone who is easily swayed by others' opinions, which is my yeah. reasoning for why she turns over to Grindelwald, because we know he's a very persuasive person, and she didn't have, she kept asking for Tina, she wanted Tina, and part of that is because she really relies on Tina's judgement, mm. um, she's just someone who really relies on she stronger people's judgement, she doesn't have a lot of confidence, and that was a great part of her character, but yeah, you're right, it suddenly went from her pointing a wand at Grindelwald, going, I know who you are, let me get out of here to okay I'm gonna join you oh, okay I'm gonna join you because another theory is that she was bewitched to join them 
because she seemed like she was no longer reading minds at the end, which mm. I would also believe I, 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 I don't mind which way it goes. On that note, I loved the scene where she had a breakdown because she was in a crowd and there were too many voices that she could hear. So this, yeah, this I actually loved and it's quite funny. So we're actually recording in Hannah's Neighbours. Yeah, we mentioned this at the beginning, yeah. Yeah, so, and they have a Buffy box set. So shout out to Hannah's Neighbours. You have a fantastic taste in television. Um, so there's there's actually a Buffy episode where she gains the ability to read minds. Okay. And there's a scene when she's, like, on campus at her university, and I think she's, like, hiding under, like, basically a picnic table, and she can just hear everyone's voices, and she's, like, you know, suddenly, okay. like, having a panic attack because she can hear everyone. And this scene just reminded me of that. Yeah. Like, it was very much like, you know, when pop culture shouts out other pop yeah. culture? I feel like this was a shout-out between Buffy and Harry Potter. Yeah, which I'm are sure probably... the people that wrote it did, like, wrote yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Would work, and would have seen Buffy because it was so popular at the time. Yeah, and it's like I'm such like a pop culture addict that like just seeing this little kind of like reference, I was just like, yes! Yeah. Like, I, it's I, my two favourite things. I thought that was a really well written side of the downsides of legitimacy because in the first film we only see it as a positive and a funny thing and in this film we're really seeing the negative side. Yeah, of it. and it's actually, you know, Queenie doesn't have a lot of confidence her character doesn't, and that's probably because of her legit. Yeah, because she hears every yeah. good and every bad thing, and also like the point she made in the first film, where she, where she said something about "Don't worry, every guy thinks what you do when they see me." Mm. Can you think about how horrible it would be to hear every guy in that day and age dirty, like even now, but in that day and age, and like probably things they want to do to you. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, that would be really disturbing. It would. Like, that's pretty dark. Okay, so many characters. So let's with Thurufu before we come back to some big ones Lita Lestrange Zoe Kravitz really liked her really liked her so sad she died because what a great actress and also that's something I forgot to mention died for no reason died for no there was like, no she it was wasn't kind of like, sacrificing herself she wasn't giving them any more time she was trying to but in the end they just both just stood there like oh no, oh, no. by the way so, which I one was she saying I love you too well that's the point and I I'm know, like which one do you think I have never cared about anything less I know you're supposed to care, I just don't. Yeah, I know. Uh, I but yeah, don't. Zoe, I'm sad she died because Zoe Kravitz, but knowing these films, she'll probably come back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great actor. Um, Ezra Miller, Credence. Oh. <laughs> um, if you haven't realised up until this point, we are both so in love with Ezra Miller. Like, I, so you know how I say I have a weird taste in men where I kind of like them a bit nerdy and weird and like feminine yep. and yeah. all of that is is it's, if there if there's a venn diagram is ezra miller in the middle yes yes yeah. exactly like that's that's why i will die alone because i'm looking for exactly ezra miller and will settle for nothing less when we saw him only 20 meters away i uh, honestly thought my ovaries might explode i know like i they, the first one that they announced was Eddie Redmayne, and I was like, that's cool, really great bragging rights, but that's basically the only reason why I care. And then they announced, like, a few of the other girls, and I was like, literally don't care. And then Ezra Miller, I thought I was going to die, and I have I a video recording, it. which I think I posted on Twitter, and it's me going, oh, fuck off. Because <laughs> I, I'm one of these people that's really annoying, like, uh, I've loved him for, like, six years, but I have, because I watched him in Pucks Being a Wallflower when he was He's only 18. So no, and I also told him we need to talk about Kevin when he was only Which 17. Which I haven't watched yet. Oh my god, you need to see I it. Know. Oh my god. Text me tomorrow. Have you watched Pucks Being a Wallflower? Yes, of course. Okay, it's anyway. so good. 
I've, I've loved Ezra Miller for so many years. I didn't, what was fantastic was because I was so, um, kind of pessimistic about Fantastic Beasts when it first got announced, I refused to kind of look at the casting. I refused to make a fuss about it. I was like, oh, I'll go see it, but I'm not gonna like get invested in all the fan stuff before. So I didn't realize Ezra Miller was in it until I was sitting in the cinema. No. And I was just like, I sat in the cinema, I was like, that's Ezra Miller. Oh my god, it's Harry Potter plus Ezra Miller. Oh my god, that's so great. Um, he's great as Credence. He does a creepy character. He does a creepy, sympathetic character amazingly. Mm. He can do the like abused child. He can do the I'm creepy thing really well. Yeah. I also know if he turns full evil, if you watch We Need to Talk About Kevin Jesus Christ, he can do full evil well. Yeah. Like He's a fantastic actor. I think he be, could be one of the best actors of this generation. Oh, I really amazing. think he could like be amazing. So he's yeah. great. We could go on for about two hours about how much we love Ezra Miller, but let's move I'll on to someone we. else. No. Um, we're not going to talk about Yusuf because I literally don't care. Don't care. Don't care. Um, let's about spend... Him. Right, we're going to limit ourselves to three minutes. Are we? Johnny Depp. <sighs> so we wish he was never cast. Even before... We're not going to go into the entire argument about the allegations because this podcast is already very long and we don't want to go straight yeah. into topics which are quite touchy. Just know that both of us are unhappy with his casting choice. First off, I didn't want him to be in the films anyway before the allegations came out because I didn't. I think he's a comedic actor. I think he's a great comedic actor. Not anymore. I, I fully believe that I am I was such a Johnny Depp fan. Yeah. Um, like him in Cry Baby, he is absolutely brilliant. Um, I think that he's been washed up for a long time. I think he does the same roles over and over. And I think yeah. nowadays, obviously, kind of alcoholism and probably drug abuse, he just cannot act. No. So even, you know, allegations aside, which 100% I don't think he should be cast because of, even that aside, fundamentally, I think that he is a bad actor and that he does not suit the role. No. I found him passable in the role. Like, I wasn't like, wow, he's acting so badly. But I also just wasn't... He's he's against an amazing cast, mm. like an all-star cast, and he just doesn't hold up against yeah. them. If we're talking about Grindelwald's character, let's switch to Grindelwald's character for a moment. I think, after watching that film, better villain than Voldemort. Yes, Discuss. definitely. Oh, good. A much you more agree. real villain. villain. Voldemort is like, follow me because I'm evil. Follow me if you're evil too. Grindelwald is the real villain. And he's also the real political villain. Because yeah. people being persuaded by Grindelwald's argument is the same reason that people are persuaded by people like Trump's argument. Yeah. Because they are amazingly persuasive and they work out a way to suit their argument to appeal to the masses. Mm -hmm. And that is what Grindelwald does. Yeah. And it's, it, like, I I love Grindelwald as a villain. I He is, he's Hitler and Trump and all these people. And it's just, it's such a great, what J.K. Rowling is trying to do is trying to teach her fans how dictatorship can come into play. Mm -hmm. And if she pulls it off, she never did that with Voldemort because no one ever felt sympathetic towards Voldemort. There was a point watching Grindelwald's speech where I felt sympathetic for yeah. Grindelwald. Same. Now, like, that's impressive. Yeah, it is. But, yeah, I mean, going back to his cast... Oh, yeah, like, let's go back to You know, you said that his performance, you didn't notice it, is, like, you know, particularly bad. I would say it's average. But what I did notice was almost every single film with him in, he was either filmed shrouded in darkness mm. or in a mirror's reflection. 
so that you could never... He, it was never, like, an actual shot of his face. Right. Well, not never, but, like, rarely a shot of his face or okay. him talking it focus on the other person. It was very smoke... Like, literally smoke, smoke and mirrors. mirrors. Yeah. In a very literal way about the way that they filmed him. Yeah. And, like, you know, there are so many accounts of him, like, you know, having lines fed to him through a micro... Through, like, an earpiece as he's acting. And I just think, fundamentally, and also I think if you're gonna cast Jude Law, who is an absolute sex god... Yeah, we're about to get onto him. And then have him apparently is in love with Johnny Depp, who you've made look like a heap of shit. Uh, like, Johnny Depp could be good-looking He, he used times. to be incredibly good-looking. I don't know what... Used to be. Like, again, him and Cryboy... Oh, Crybaby. Like, incre- incredibly formative. Even when um, he was dressed up all weird in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Hot damn. Still would. Yeah. Like, well, well, not now. Not because now. Because... No. Ew. And... Yeah. Um, anyway, but... Yeah, just looking absolutely rank in this film, and we're like, we're really supposed to believe that Jude Law is in love with this guy. Well, he also just seeing has... him in the mirror of Edison, which, by the way, made no sense. Okay, we'll get back to that in a minute. One more point about Grindelwald is even if we discount all the shit Johnny Depp's done, it's a German part. Could you cast a German or European person, not an American? Yeah. Like, come on, the... these films do not give many opportunities for non English or non-American people to be cast. They didn't even make him really do an accent. Like... Yeah, um, Excuse me. Cats going mental. They don't like Grindelwald either. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are many fantastic German, or at least kind of East European, Mm. no, uh, Northeast European actors who would have been fantastic in the part, but they went with an American for a German part, and I think that's rude. So, yeah, let's... Sorry, we're, we're not being very <laughs> sensical in this, but let's switch back to the Mirror of Verison. But neither was the film. No. The Mirror of Verison shows your heart's, heart's desire. It does not show you a fucking flashback sequence. Or the current... Like, surely he doesn't still desire him. And also, like, would... Uh, did we discuss this before? I can't remember if it was on the podcast or in real life, but I'm pretty sure we discuss, discussed this before. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it makes me lose faith... I think a lot of people have lost faith in the Dumbledore character anyway after the seventh book. Yeah. And I understand the argument. I still am on Dumbledore's side. Um, but, like, it makes me lose faith in the character that you can lose a mother, a sister, and a father and see your ex-boyfriend in the mirror of Erised. Like, really? Your ex-boyfriend who's evil? I think they changed what the Mirror of Eris had meant because it stopped meaning your heart's desire in this film. It showed in the flashback of what happened, so it basically showed what he's thinking about at that moment. Yeah. Like, I understand him seeing Grindelwald in it, fine, whatever, but it showed them, like, making the blood pact and doing all this. Exactly. Like, that's not what it just the Mirror does. It as a cinematic device. Yeah. Rather than what the Mirror actually, actually was, which does. was a really cool... For J.K. Rowling's first book... Let's talk about how well written the Mirror of said was. Yeah. And what a great piece of literary Amazing. object. Yeah. Another thing that didn't make any sense. Why did the government have access to Dumbledore's memories? When he, like, showed him his memory of him making the blood pack. How did the ministry have... Because the, they, they literally, like, showed uh, it. Uh, how did they... I don't... I've, what is memory robbery a thing? I don't know. Let's move on to the to casting cast, I was saving yeah. for Jude Law as Dumbledore. Now, here I'm going to stand on a pedestal, but I think everyone will believe me. Out of the three interpretations that we know, I got up to the point of three interpretations of Dumbledore. Why? 
a mile the best interpretation of Dumbledore we have ever had. I don't necessarily agree. <gasps> Which one do you think is better? I've been thinking about this. Okay. My... Um, in some ways I think that he is the best interpretation. In some ways, I still quite like the first guy. I think he wasn't Dumbledore, but I think there was no, absolutely no time to develop it for him because he died. Yes. Um, I, I he think... wasn't like nimble and sprightly enough for the role, but for the role he played in just the first two films, which yeah. he could act in because after that he died, he was fantastic. Yeah, so I think maybe had he had the chance to develop, he could have been. I, I, I did like Jude Law's interpretation of him. I thought he was very different to the other two yeah. interpretations. I, um, and there was a lot that I did love about it. I'm just not sure that it did perfectly align with him later in life. And I think, to be fair, some of that... Some of that's down to the acting. Some of that's down to even the costuming. Like, he's in a three-piece suit, and yes, he looks amazing. But I feel like oh, this was just so done for, jo for Jude Law's sex appeal. Whereas, how does Dumbledore go from, like, a sharp three-piece suit... You stole that from a viral tweet. I did, but, like, it's true. Like, it's no, it just, it's, and that is part... Like, we're, that, we're gonna talk about costuming in the next section. I'm sorry for how long this episode yeah. is, but we don't care. We're gonna talk about costuming and stuff. Like, next. how does he go from that to, like, you know, his weird robes? And I, I, I liked... I liked him as an old Dumbledore. I want to see him do more in the... Like, for him to be my perfect Dumbledore... Right. ...and to be my favourite, in the next film, he just needs to get a bit more of that kookiness. Because okay. Dumbledore is a bit kooky and weird. So I think that came across in the flashbacks, when he was, like, teaching them how to duel, and then he, like, like disarmed the kid and made him fall into a chair... That was Dumbledore's kookiness. Yeah, that, that was. I uh, just, it was. It was. It wasn't. Ah, uh, it, it wasn't, just wasn't enough. enough. It wasn't and, enough. No, I understand that. And for me, I think what bothered me was the Lupin parallels. I felt like it was too much. I felt like I was seeing Lupin again. Oh, okay. Not seeing Dumbledore. Like even again, down to the costuming, it was very similar. Like the way he was wearing a waistcoat was just so similar to the cardigan thing. And I just really felt, you know, he was doing the same class, and you know that obviously was fan service. But for me, it just felt like I was seeing like another actor playing Lupin, not playing Dumbledore. Okay, so here's a bit where me and Charlie disagree, which we're allowed to do. I are think we? he's the Yes, of course. <laughs> I think he's the best interpretation of Dumbledore. I think he captures all sides. I saw the whimsy. I saw the ability for him to inspire people. And I also think Jude Law really captured the manipulative side of Dumbledore. Yeah. Because when he's on the bridge with Newt, when he's basically mm. blackmailing him into going to Paris, but doing it in a nice way, yeah. that's manipulative Dumbledore, and that's what he did to yeah. Harry. But so, also, yeah. he captures the, I'm a friendly great head teacher who teach all these kids kind of thing. He also, when he's talking to Lita, captures the... I am your grandfather who can give you great advice. I'm here yeah. for you. He captures all these different facets of Dumbledore's personality. He, the way he speaks, like, I just think he's perfect for the role. Also, Jude Laura is a sex god, and oh. dear god, is he. Did yeah. they have to fill this film with both Eddie Redmayne, Jude Law, and Ezra Miller? Like, what are they trying to do to mm -hmm. me? Also, something that wasn't down to the casting, but that I just felt weird about his character. This is going to be the longest episode ever. I hope you're enjoying it. Nobody cares. <laughs> no one does care. Um, was that in the Harry Potter series, Dumbledore always phrased himself that he was um, reluctant to go up against Grindelwald because, you know, they had a friendship um that obviously we later on learn was Hashtag more than a friendship sex. yeah 
because they, you know, were in love. Whereas in this film, it was kind of hinted at, and then you find out that it's the blood pact, and then the minute the blood pact is out of the equation, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to fight him, and I just wish that they'd kept a bit more, and maybe it would be developed Well, no, the, the blood pact episode. is still a thing. The blood pact yeah, has yeah, been destroyed, yeah. we're still... Yet. We're still 18 years off the fight. Yeah, but he, he was still, you know, he was like, right, we have this, and once it's out of the way, like, I can I do it. Like him, yeah. But I just, that's not how I always thought it was from what was originally said in Harry Potter. So I want to see, going into the next book, I want to see more of his reluctance again. Yeah, same. Because of that, you know, relationship that he used to have with Grindelwald. Yeah, and talking about his relationship with Grindelwald, um, this is a point that everyone has different opinions on, and I am absolutely accepting of everyone's opinions on. Personally, I thought they handled the backstory of Dumbledore and Grindelwald for this particular film very well. There was a lot of worry going in that they wouldn't um, uh, acknowledge the obviously gay relationship between the two of them. Um, the line, we were closer than brothers, I thought explained it perfectly. Like, yeah. I, I and the acting that Jude Law did during that scene. Um, I don't. The Harry Potter books never went explicit with romance. That's the thing. The furthest they went was kissing, and then the rest of it was all mm. up in the air. So this is also aimed at the same audience. This is also aimed at you know children and teenagers. So saying we were closer than brothers and the look they gave. I would like them at some point to show a flashback of them, like, kissing or something, but I don't need them to go further than that, because that's how far the Harry Potter films went, and for me, that's enough for interpretation. However, I'm saying that as a straight woman, so therefore, mm -hmm. if other people have different opinions, like me, that is mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. fine and great and amazing. Yeah. Do you want to give your opinion on yeah. it? Yeah. So, as a bi woman, I would have liked to see a kiss, and I don't mean, like, a full, like, make-out session, that's just not relevant. I would have liked to see, like, a physical confirmation. And, and do you think we will in later films, and I, will that be enough I, if we see it in later films and it wasn't this film? Like, I will be happy if we see it in later films. Okay. Um, I'll have mixed feelings because at the same time I really don't want to see Johnny Depp and do Bill Kiss. I don't want to see I think that. it will be a young... I would like to see a kiss in, like, the flashback scene. Yeah, 100%. Or something. I, I think that would have, you know, not a make-out, but, like, a kiss. Yeah, a little kiss. I think that that would have fitted. I don't think it would have drawn away from anything no. or drawn the attention. I think that it really easily could have gone in there. And this is me, like, I was pleased with the amount that they acknowledged it because I thought it was going to be completely skimmed over. I think mm -hmm. it was heavily implied, Very way heavily more implied. than I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. So I was happy with that, but that's kind of like, you know, a very low bar. I think <laughs> that there, there could have easily been a kiss in there, and I think that it's a great thing to do on principle, even if it's not needed for the plot, though I think it adds a lot to the plot personally. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, a principle that, you know, gay people have always had incredible incredible difficulty having these things acknowledge have it having them shown on tv and film screens yeah. so it would have been a great thing to do from that point of view and just it just makes the plot better yeah. um, and, and i very much hope we'll see it in a flashback in i yeah i really do if they go the entire series without it being explicitly said because people are like, oh it's fine implying it and i'm like but why not say it explicitly? Yeah. Like, the entire, like, there's so many forced bloody romance in everything, including, like, I'm sorry, I don't ship it, Newt and Tina. Like, there's so much forced romance in every bloody 
film series. Like, yep. why can't we actually have confirmation of a gay relationship? Yeah. Why? 100%. When it's shoehorned into everything else. 100%. And my worry is they're drawing it out to gay bait. And if yeah, they, they are, are, that you know, which they very well might be, that's bad. Don't do that. Yeah, it's Supernatural 101. You won't get that reference. No, Other people will. Okay. Um, yeah, my worry is they're drawing it out to gay bait, so I just hope if they are doing that, just bloody admit it by the time you finish drawing it out, JK. Yeah. Right, let's move on. This episode, this is already very long, so we are going to whiz through cinematography. So by cinematography, we are talking about everything. We are talking... <laughs> we're talking about everything. We're talking about the way it was filmed, special effects, visual effects, costumes, hair, everything to do special that effects. isn't to do with yeah. characters or plot, everything else. So, the way the film was done... Um, I loved it. Everything was brilliant. The only thing I hate, Grindelwald, his costume, everything terrible. Okay. But aside from that, just for time's sake, fucking love it all. I thought it was a flawless film. There wasn't a moment in the film when I felt myself break from reality. I have one. Oh, really? I mean, my only one was that there was a couple of people in the row in front of us texting. Um, <laughs> Charlie that, tapped them on the shoulder and told them to put oh, the phone away. Oh, it yeah, was like, fantastic. I'm that person. Yeah, no. Um, so the one that really broke it for me, which I believe knowing... So I've worked a bit um, in small independent films, not big films like this, but just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, show off. <laughs> um, the bit which broke it for me was at the beginning in the ministry scene, the extreme close-ups on new face um that implies to me it was a reshoot so oh, really so you know those I didn't uncomfortably notice. close shots i've heard a lot of people talking about them and i remember them quite vividly there's some very uncomfortably close shots on newt's face what that implies to me is they filmed it they weren't happy with some of the lines they wanted to re-record but they couldn't get all the actors back couldn't get the set back so they were like right well if we just do a close-up we can cut it in um, that brought me out the film. Um, okay, I didn't notice, but I have absolutely no film background. Oh, okay. Um, I did notice that. Other than that, David Yates has just got better and better with each film. You know, he came on in, I believe, Half-Blood Prince. Mm. He wasn't great in that one. Everything was dark and weird. Um, and he has got considerably better with each film. I think the cinematography, obviously they've got all the budget in the world. Mm. But there's some good cinematography choices. I thought the editing choices were bad, but I can't tell if that's the bad script or the bad editing, Yeah, because the plot was nonsensical, so I don't know what that was. I don't know how you could have edited that film together in any other way. No. Special effects, fantastic. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people saying that 18 years ago, on the day Fantastic Beast 2 was released, was the same day that Philosopher's Stone was released. Think of the special effects in Philosopher's Stone, yeah. those bloody broomsticks, and then think of where we are now, only 18 years later. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And then, I just want to talk about practical effects, I want to talk about the Zulu. Yeah, amazing. Oh I my want one. god. Can I have one? <laughs> the practical effects in the first film were good. They took it, the creatures in this film, so the Zulu, for anyone that doesn't know, because it wasn't only mentioned by name once, is the Chinese dragon creature. Um... I know that was made by Practical Effects by Nick Dudman, who did, who has done Practical Effects for every single Potter film. So he did the Basilisk, he did the Troll, he did all of it. I know actually the Troll was Special Effects. He did all the creatures, so he did the Hippogriff. Um, he did the Zulu, and I have never been more persuaded that a magical creature was real. Yeah. Like, it looked, yeah, just, oh, mind-blowingly good. It was fantastic. It, it really was. It was, uh, to me, if I list highlights of the film, back to Hogwarts flashback, 
the Zulu. Like, that's how good it was. And it was only in it for about three minutes. I wanted more of it. Yeah. It an entire film of that. Um, <laughs> hair and makeup. Johnny Depp, what the fuck are the choices we're uh, making just with terrible. this? Terrible, Stop it. tacky, Stop it. awful. Awful. It um, just, like, that ruins him for me. For, he looks for, comical. For me, like, he is, he is such a real villain. A real villain in the way yep. that we didn't have that yep. with Voldemort. And a lot of people criticise Harry Potter because they're like, why is Dumbledore... Why is... Sorry. Umbridge hated on more than Voldemort. Because she's more realistic. Because she's a real villain. Yeah. Whereas and Voldemort me, is a is a child is a children's villain. Yeah, and for me the only thing that really like stops Grindelwald being such like a fantastically real villain is his comedic appearance. Yeah, it looks weird. Um, hair and makeup on everyone else was fantastic. Right. The only problem was in the flashback sequence to Hogwarts, if we think that Newt's around 30, the flashback sequence is meant to be 20 years before, which makes it 1900s, uh, the hair and makeup was completely incorrect. The hair on the kids was just wrong. Um, that's a very small thing. I understand it's difficult to get teenagers to cut their hair to the time period you're in. Yeah. It just wasn't period accurate, apart from McGonagall. Weirdly, McGonagall was the only one in period hairstyle. Costuming, phenomenal. These yeah. films and costuming is just like... I I believe it's one of the same people that did Harry Potter again they've brought a lot of people back mm. and you can tell because it's so high class it's yeah. so high class it's so good yeah some like interesting well hopefully interesting like background on me and Hannah Hannah comes from a makeup artistry background I come from a fashion background and now we both work in digital marketing so when we analyse things it's through those kind of lenses yes so that's why Hannah's very up on like the makeup and hairstyling yes so yes. I think that's important to include yes yeah it is no because I have extensive knowledge on time period hair and makeup if an eyebrow is wrong I will notice it so that's why I know that and Charlie coming from a fashion background knows nothing like about fashion <laughs> <laughs> no I'm like the worst like ex-fashion student in the world I really I really don't care okay. um about fashion but like from my knowledge of like the only kind of fashion that I ever really did care about and thought thought interesting was the historical fashion yes but I'm not going to claim to be an expert but there was nothing that I saw that was like glaringly yeah, wrong the only thing that I'd say and it's the same thing that you said earlier the three-piece suits they look great. They look fantastic. They look sexy. Yeah, I'm but not sure they would very, find relevant. It's very established in the books that wizards wear robes. They do not look yeah. like muggles when they walk around. So what they've costumed is three-piece suits with added cloaks. Um, and it looks good on camera. And I understand why they've done it, because cloaks can look comical, mm. and they don't want the film to look comical. But you're losing an element the books had. Yeah. And I think as well, like... Dumbledore suit in particular it was a like to Very me it looked novel. like a modern oh it was yeah it was like what I expect yeah. on a rich businessman in London yeah like it, it didn't seem like a maybe I'm wrong I could easily be wrong but it just seemed like quite a modern yeah part. whereas the women are all walking around wearing gowns that are meant to look a bit like robes mm. uh, I just I know why they're doing it it's because they don't want a comical look to these films but they have an opportunity to set a new precedence for what wizards wear like they have an opportunity to make their mark yeah. because J.K. Rowling's writing is quite open to interpretation on the cloaks and robes side like she just mm. describes them as robes you can take that for what you want they're going yeah. down the safe option and an argument that I would give as well is that we it's established in the books that particularly in America and in the time that the statue of secrecy was even 
more of a bigger deal than it is yeah. in the modern day Harry Potter. Yeah. So perhaps that's why they look more styled muggle mm. was because there was more of an emphasis on maybe. blending in at the time. Maybe, maybe. But I'd like that explained. Yeah. So we have rambled on for, I don't know when I edit this, um, but it's looking like uh, over an hour. Over an hour. <laughs> well over an hour. So we're going to stop now. Yeah. Um, basic thoughts on the film. I hope it gets better because this was disappointing. And it's what I said, I think I said to Charlie after the film, you know, we're huge Harry Potter fans, huge Harry Potter fans. But being huge Harry Potter fans is not going to blindside us, blind, blindside us, is that the right word? Blindsight. Blindsight us to the fact that this was a poor film. But saying that, I think it was poor and confusing. I still quite in like I enjoyed. Oh, watching there were it. moments that I, I enjoyed think watching. If, if I was less confused and maybe on the second rewatch when I'll understand more, I'll enjoy it even more. Maybe or maybe I'll enjoy it less. Will mm. you know? We we haven't done the second rewatch, but in terms of film, it's not a good film. And that's our overall review. Yeah, so, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed listening to yeah, us talk for let, so long. Let us know if you like this break from what we're doing currently. Obviously, we broke tradition of what we're currently doing in the podcast because we're saying topical. This film just came out. So if there's anything else you'd like us to cover, which is kind of new Harry Potter stuff that comes out, do let us know on Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod. Just tweet us what, what you'd like us to make special bonus episodes about and we can do that for you. Yeah. Um, we also would like to start doing some bonus episodes on our Patreon at, so www.patreon slash Goblet of Wine. Um, so if you look at the reward schemes on there, you can see which one is the donation for bonus episodes. So um, yeah, if you like bonus episodes like this, then you could possibly give us some money. The podcast will get better in quality and we'll make you some bonus episodes. Yay. But you don't have to because you, you don't have to. Like, yeah. we don't mind. We yeah. just love you, whatever. Okay. listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. Make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcasting app to listen to new episodes every fortnight. If you're feeling extra lovely, you can also leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We also have a Twitter at Goblet of Wine Pod where you can come chat to us, get updates and see behind the scenes content. And finally, we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Goblet of Wine. We love running this podcast, but it can be expensive at times, so Patreon really helps us out. There's loads of great rewards like bonus content behind the scenes and being the people to pick our alcohol each episode. So thank you so much again for listening and we'll see you in our next episode. Bye! Bye.